Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Dear Edify, I am a few months into my new preaching work and I have come to feel much like a circus leader rather than a preacher. To illustrate, I'll begin with our worship situation in regards to our singing. Last month, uh, the worship leader um, asked if he could um, incorporate a particular song in a worship service that was not scriptural. A similar level of madness has also infected our evangelism. A group of ladies recently asked if they could take their clown ministry, no, (laughs) that's not a mistake, to the local strip mall on Saturday and seek to win the loss to Jesus on behalf of the church. They sent me an email hoping the, quote, new preacher would get, quote, fully behind, end quote, their evangelistic ministry, adding an attachment with a flyer touting our church as, quote, the church of clowns. <laughs> the irony's too obvious there to warrant further comment. I think their desire to win the loss to Jesus is absolutely commendable, but <laughs> anyway, that's not all. On Wednesday night, one of our children's teacher has a written song that includes lyrics that are not only biblically questionable, <clears throat> but also borderline bawdy. Um, the teacher of the senior adult men class has informed me that he would like to begin a series of studies that bypasses the Bible and instead exegetes, quote, the left behind books and video series. I half-jokingly asked him if they'd like to include the left-behind board game in their studies, to which he replied with a straight face that told me he completely overlooked the tongue-in-cheek, quote, we shouldn't play games in church, preacher. We need to stick to teaching from the Bible, end quote. (laughs) I could go on and on, but I'll stop those with those windows into the soul of this church that I have, quote, inherited, end quote. This congregation needs serious revitalization, and the sooner the better. Though I know what I should do, I'm not sure how quickly I should do it. I realize that people need to get to know me better before they truly follow me and allow for biblical teaching to take place. How can I make changes without sinking the ship? How can I lead them in the right direction while showing the church members the grace and respect that is surely due to Christ's people? When I have established enough credibility to change the big things, and how long should I wait um, to work on the small things. For example, the New Testament teaches that a church is best led by a plurality of elders. When should I go on to work on that transition? It seems that may require a season of in-depth teaching wedded with patience, more of a long view thing perhaps. But the bet meddler music that the one teacher wanted to include shouldn't be scuttled immediately, should it? If not, Can a sanctioned rendition of, quote, Stairway to Heaven be so far behind? (laughs) Several people love that particular feature of um, that song. Maybe we can include it in church. Not really. Honestly, I would never worship at this place if I were a visitor. I'd run far and I'd run fast. Help me. I'm anxious to show the church a more excellent way but need profound guidance as to how and when it's wise to move things in a more biblical, Christ-centered direction, grace and peace, bewildered young preacher. Well, <laughs> bewildered young preacher. Obviously, we LOL'd just then. And not because there is anything funny in what you're facing, but because it all sounds so familiar to so many of us. The church that maybe some of us are serving, 
uh, for more than 32 years sounds a lot like that uh, than the one that you're at now. Um, you know, looking back, some of us can honestly say that we never would have joined uh, certain churches if I could, you know, uh, still a denominational term. We we never would have placed membership. Um, that's something that we more do. We're more inclined to say. Um, being recognized by the leadership or the eldership um, that we preach in. Sometimes it, it takes us eight months. Sometimes it takes us ten years, and we're done. But we can say that we are glad um, to be in the ministry, and we are glad to be in certain situations and certain Certain issues that that um, that we can walk people through and see them come out of and and work through, which is a blessing. And I and I know for those of us who are listening who have, who have been there, uh, perhaps we <clears throat> we um, started to assemble with a body that was loose, uh, loose on biblical doctrines or loose on practicality, or or they were very unwise in the way that they did things. Maybe it wasn't sinful, but it was unwise in what they did. It left the door open. If somebody said, you know, hey, we can bring in a meddler piece in worship. Um, uh, you know, or bet metal or whatever I said, <clears throat> um, then why can't we have stairway to heaven? So on and on it goes. Anyway, um, some of us belong to a church, and we worship with a church, and we preach for a church. We 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 elder a church. We uh, we shepherd a church that nobody would want to be at. Um, that 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 can happen to all of us. Churches, by God's grace, uh, can change. They can absolutely change. <clears throat> you need to allow the honeymoon phase for you, a uh, young, bewildered, young preacher, as you've inherited a mess uh, because of clear, clear biblical uh, lack of doctrine and of sound teaching and of sound wisdom uh, and, and eldership and all that sort of stuff. I, I have no doubt that that church probably has refused an eldership in the time past, uh, because of the shape that they're in, if it's a, if it's an older congregation, I know some preachers who've been in a place uh, literally uh, since the '80s, and here we are in 2022, and they have never once had an, an eldership. That is a generational issue. Um, I don't place the blame all on the preacher's feet, but he has a lot to do with it. Um, and now he's just patient to stay with one church for so long um, that continues to refuse that. But anyway, by God's grace, we every church can change. Every church can be loving and joyful and hope-filled uh, that, that readily receives teaching from God's Word, that engages you know, in a variety of, of significant ministries, not church of clowns, but, but things that are impactful, benevolent issues, things that work. You know? That's not to say that we're all problem-free because we're not. Everyone, every church has a, a, an issue. This Sunday I'm preaching about you know, reaching into our community, but we first have to be our own strong community. Uh, and that, that often it's the case if we look inside, if we look within, we're going to find issues, and, and that doesn't give us a license to sin, nor does it say, hey, this church is messed up, let's move on and bail. Uh, a lot of us would not worship at the church at Corinth when Paul did. You know, we just see the issues, and we say they're unsound, that's an unscriptural church, and we get out of there. Uh, we got to be patient with people. you got to be understanding. People are where they are, and you got, you've, got to, you've got to be with them, and you got to work with them. I uh, remember we were asked on one occasion, hey, if a local Baptist church wanted to hire you boys out of preaching school, would you go? Would, a, would, would this denomination you know, ask you to come preach? Would you go? Um, and, of course, several said, no, absolutely not. And then our instructor said, well, if, who, if you're not going to go, then who is? So that, that tells us something. Yes, there, there, are, there, are, there are stipulations, I, I, I have no doubt, uh, when it comes to that sort of thing. And that's a touchy subject, but, but, 
But fellas, who's going to go? Who's going to tell them? Who's going to teach them? Who, who's going to be with them? You're, you're there for God. Not so much for them. You love the church, but listen, she's a bride-to-be. Uh, she is a woman who is who is being adorned, and she is in the business of being sanctified. The church in its origin, the church in its doctrine is pure. Uh, the church that will be presented to Jesus will be pure, but it is mixed up with people who are in the business of being sanctified, which is an ugly business, which means we go up and down and back and forth, and, and that's that's the reality. Very few, very few members of the church um, are so spiritual mature that they that they're they're closer to the line. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of issues, and, and that's just the reality. Let's let's be transparent. Let's be real and vulnerable, and be understanding of that. People are messed up. This is a hospital. This isn't a, a reservation. This isn't a, a resort. This is this is a hospital, and there are sick people who are almost who are almost dead, and if not, they are dead spiritually speaking, and they got to have you. So let me give you that chart. Let me push that forward. But let's go back to this um, to this thought. You know, first number one, deal with your own heart. Uh, the first and most important principle um, is what Spurgeon often said. He called it the minister's self watch. Um, go go get his book called Lectures to My Student. I highly recommend that. And that's in the first the first chapter, the minister's self watch. Uh, let me read you an excerpt from that. Regularly apply the gospel, and this is Spurgeon, to your own heart. As preachers, all of us, all of our gospel ministries should arise out of a deep awareness that we desperately need all that we commend to others. Do we want our people to know and love Christ supremely and to love others sincerely? We need the same. We are dependent on God's grace and mercy in every day, uh, just as our people are. We need to grow in the humility and forgiveness just as they do. you got to remember that. Number one, deal with your own heart. The Puritan preacher uh, John Flavel said, quote, The crucified style best suits the preachers of a crucified Christ. So you and I well know the people that we're preaching with alongside and at and, and all the above, they will more readily receive your t- teaching if they believe that you also are heeding it. you gotta, you got to say, hey, uh, I do this often for myself. I say, hey, Jake, what, what, you know, what are you doing here? Jake, are you, are you guilty of this? I throw myself under the bus just like I do the rest of the church, tongue in cheek, but that's the reality. I need, to pre- I need to present that to the church. I need to ask myself that. I need to third person that, you know, step out of myself and ask myself what I'm asking them. In the middle of my sermon, I have to be honest with them. Our Lord is patient, and our Lord is gentle with his disciples while he walked to this earth, okay? Uh, and he still is. So should his ministers be. Are there mess-ups? Yes. Are there problems with this particular church, with this bewildered young man? Yes, absolutely. But be patient. Be patient. Uh, Don't be surprised. And what Bobby Liddell used to tell us all the time in preaching school, never underestimate the ignorance of your brethren. He wasn't being facetious. He was being for real. So number one, deal with your own heart. Number two, be honest. A second principle grows out of that first, sort of, which means to be honest. Don't, Don't be duplicitous. Uh, or double. Don't 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 be don't be deceitful in any kind of way. There should be a preacher policy from the outset of his relationship to the church, and I, and I highly recommend letting the church know of your personal core convictions about the nature and the teaching of Scripture. Um, you know, to be transparent about your own particular beliefs. Um, you know, not everything needs to be said from the pulpit. You may be studying something or be knowing something that is too much for some people. So be 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 understanding of that don't don't reveal all your cards but you need to be transparent in a lot of ways and be honest and if you have a if you have something that you don't know and somebody asks you do yourself a favor and them a favor and say you know what i don't know that question i don't don't know the answer to that question um you know 
you've got to you got to bring particular attention to your convictions about um, gracious. I mean, church membership, um, uh, how the church functions, uh, you know, elder leadership, you know, corrective church discipline, um, different key areas that are just going to be a staple that need to be a staple. Uh, what what Cecil May used to tell us: boys, be conservative in doctrine and liberal in love. That needs to be the heartbeat of every preacher. Needs to be but isn't always the case. So it's important to let the congregation know where you intend to lead them because of your biblical convictions, uh, where the eldership would would want you to lead. Uh, you, you need to say, you know, you need to meet with your elders and say, fellas, this is the direction I want to go. Do I have your approval? Yes, amen. Go ahead with prayer. And then go get in the pulpit and say, hey, from the eldership, this is where we're wanting to go. This is, this is, where, this is where the ship is steering. So... As I said, don't don't quickly add all of your all of your plans and all your convictions in in the very beginning. It's not being dishonest if you don't say everything that you think. Okay, the Bible is very specific about wisdom. Sometimes it's not time to utter things. Um, you know, when you're when you're preaching, you know, sometimes people are in, are in a position to hear things, and then there then there are times that there aren't. In John sixteen twelve, Jesus did this with his disciples. He said, "I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now." So preachers should follow the example when gauging what and how much to say to the people that they're preaching to. So number one, you know, deal with your own self, deal with your own heart. Number two, be honest with the church. Number three, preach and pray. Commit yourself early to the priorities of preaching and to the priority of prayer. You know, pray. This is what we see the apostles doing as they as they led the church in Jerusalem. Acts chapter six, verses two through four. These two priorities correspond to the provisions that God has given us in His Word uh, by His Spirit. So any lasting work that is done in the church, any, any good church work is done by Christ, who has Himself promised to build His church, that the gates of hell should not prevail against Him, Matthew 16, 18. There, there, therefore, we, we must pray and ask Him to do um, in, his, in our lives as He has done in His Word and as He has promised. Preaching should be your most important public task. Period. Other responsibilities, yeah, they are important. You know, counseling, discipling, personal evangelism, administration, and so on. All those different things that must go on. Delegation, uh, but none of these should sur- surpass preaching in your priorities through through the week by week ministry of the word. The Lord builds His church up through that. Expositional preaching should be the staple of your pulpit ministry. Work your way through books of the Bible prayerfully seeking guidance about which books or sections to preach at what times. Um, it, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, there is a, a question that has been asked in times past by particular books. How is the Word of God to be preached by those that are called thereunto? Uh, and the answer is full of wisdom, and I want to give you this. Quote, they that, they that are called to labor in the ministry of the Word are to preach sound doctrine diligently in season and out of season plainly not in the enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power faithfully making known the whole counsel of god wisely applying themselves to the necessities and capacities of the hearers zealously with fervent love to god and the souls of his people sincerely aiming at his glory and their conversion edification and salvation i would like to call your attention to one particular phrase quote the necessities of and capacities of the hearers. So when you're planning to preach, uh, dear bewildered preacher, <laughs> um, you should not only ask 
what do these people need? Because you probably know absolutely what they need, but you also need to ask God, Lord, what is it that they can handle? What steps should I take? One, one thing every church needs is a steady diet of expositional preaching. And if you've listened to this podcast by any length of time, you've seen that, you've heard that over and over uh, in, 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 in this information wave. It, it may be that you will have to help them cultivate an appetite for the Word itself. <clears throat> and they're going to acquire and they will, they will acquire it as they come to understand Scripture better. You can facilitate that. You can work that out, helping, helping them, um, obvious, obviously, obviously, with the Word of God. This is how God's Spirit works with people, uh, through the Word, working hard and, and, and at simply explaining, you know, appropriately illustrating, carefully applying the text that you preach. So I also want to encourage you to include public, public Scripture reading, obviously, in the worship service, make sure that that's a key and a staple. Um, you know, we have we have young boys. It's one of our one of our things here at Piedmont Road. Our young boys, our young Christian boys, uh, teenage boys, are they get up and they they read the passages of Scripture uh, that set the tone for the worship. And I and I ch- I charge them. I tell them, listen, this is you. You're setting me up. Don't 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 negate this. You know, do it with diligence. Do it with love. Do it with passion. And cultivating that in in those in those young men who are who are leading God's people, whether they know it or not. So I want to make sure that they understand what what it is that they're doing. They're setting the tone for the sermon. They're setting the stage for the sermon by the scripture. I don't set the tone. the The scripture does through these young boys, these young Christian boys. I want them to understand how serious it is. So give them the scripture before the week is up. Find out who's going to le- who's going to read it. Give it to them. Practice it, and begin to shape and to mold. Um, these young men who are going to who are going to lead God's people in a very effective way, and so by doing so, you're going to help the rest of the church learn and read to understand. When you've got a young boy up there, a young Christian boy, you know, fourteen, fifteen, seventeen years old, who is who is prayerfully and considering you know God's word and 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 understanding what he's doing, it sets the stage. People are going to they're going to click their heels and be at attention because hey, if this young man can do this and this young man is about this, then I need to be about this. So that's a good example for people. The Psalms are are particularly well suited um for reading aloud in worship. They they just are. They just are. They're, it's the way it's one of the best ways that we can communicate to the people. It's the most applicable book of the Bible. It's one you know, it's like James. It's just it's the James of the New Testament. Uh it says so much to people in grief and in anger and, and rejoicing and, and in death and in all these sorts of things. The Psalms are filled. When anybody's grieving, give them the Psalms. Um whatever stage of life people are in, give them the Psalms. So don't but obviously don't start with one nineteen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> While they do need a, a wonderful celebration of God's word in that psalm, they probably won't have the capacity for it. You know, you may not have have the capacity for it. So start with a shorter psalm. Short, start with a uh, a small section of scripture. Help your people to learn uh, and to learn to appreciate hearing God's word read and reading God's word. So plan your preaching. That's that's what I'm saying. Consider preaching through the Sermon on the Mount or First John and, and Ephesians, Colossians. You know, these need to be staples early on in the ministry and early on in your particular work. And this allows you to teach on, on what a true Christian is and what the gospel is. So during the first few years of, 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 of your work, uh, maybe, use, maybe use Sunday evenings. Um, if you if you have those to to preach on various Bible you know doctrines or teachings and and so on you know uh, God mankind Christ Holy Spirit salvation the Christian life the church etc 
uh, if the church doesn't regularly meet, as I said on Sunday nights, consider beginning beginning such a service, you know, kicking that back up or, or involving this in your home groups, you know, record a YouTube video and pass out, you know, paper at a, at uh, on every Sunday, you know, and, and have three or four videos a week that your that your churches can do in their homes with their own particular families. Help these families learn how to to engage in family worship and, and engage in family discipleship. So you may want to consider these things. Um, it, it will be good for you if you're if you're at this this church of clowns. Uh, <laughs> you know, people need to get back rooted in the Word of God because because clearly that's that's what's going away. Uh, there's there's been a lack of authority there. So as as uh, as a supplement to your preaching, let me let me throw this out there. This is some a future work that's ahead of us. Myself, Matt Wallen, uh, Denny Howell, um, uh, Colt Mahana, um, you know these guys and a few others. We're we're about to engage in some new work with. Um, um, we'll be partnering with Tucker Wallace and Scott Ingram and and Aaron Gallagher. It's called Men of Valor, and it's a men's study, and it's. And it's it's specifically geared toward men, and it's a very successful, very successful men's ministry. Let me say that again, men's ministry. Okay, You as a preacher need to have this. There needs to be a silver thread. We had, we have this at Piedmont Road. Not many folks know about it. We started out with six. Now we're up to 19, and it's the silver thread of guys who were, who maybe were on the fringe, maybe who were new to the church. Maybe they were, you know, they weren't as faithful as they could be. They were, uh, or, or there were guys who were very faithful and we needed them in the group and, you know, or they're young singles or whatever. Uh, these are just men who need the fellowship because let's be honest, men, we're, we're garbage when it comes to friendship. Uh, we, we may have three, maybe, maybe you have three. Um, but anyway, get in, get involved. Get involved and have a, a men's men's leadership group. You know, it's not publicized. It's not everybody's invited. This isn't where Brother Sam comes in and reads, you know, Jeremiah thirty nine, and he has some has some thoughts on it. No, this is a this is different. But there's there's more on that later. And if you want to go ahead and get the book, let me just throw that out there. It's Mark Lacer, and I believe he's Catholic. So spit out the spit out the bones, but eat the meat. The principles are true in that book, and they're great in that book, and it's great for men's ministry. Men of Valor is the book. Um, seven habits of highly effective men. Uh, he, there's three books in the series: uh, Becoming a Man of Valor, Men of Valor, and I can't recall the third one. But anyway, they're they're all the same. Gray cover, black letter. Mark Lacer, L A A S E R. Anyway, um, include these things. Begin to disciple these men. Grow these men. You know, teaching them teaching them to read and to be be about community and be about transparency and being about vulnerability and you know let the men have a group twice a month to come and where they can just throw up that way they don't they don't throw up on their kids they don't throw up on their spouses they they don't they don't do that they 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 work hard and they love their families but they come to that group to grieve and to vent and to get those things out and to build the camaraderie that they need to and, and develop into the, the the men of God that they need to be so engaging men more informally and directly you you will be able to recognize those who show great potential for leadership if you don't know your church it's because you're not involved with your church that's that's just the truth this this allows us to begin further equipping them to help lead in the church deacons are grown elders are grown they're not made they're not they're not born that way it's where they are so regarding prayer and 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 preaching develop the discipline of starting every day that way meditating and let God preach to you through his word pray through scripture meditate in scripture keep a journal on specific matters on which you pray um, you're going to be humbled challenged I have a little I have a little notebook 
that I keep with me at all times. It's for my eyes only. It's things that I'm praying for, for myself, my personal struggles, my issues, issues of other folks who've asked me specifically that are that are tremendous weights to bear. I write those prayers down. I, I, I verbalize them. I internalize them. I, I, I soak them up. I, I give them to myself, uh, and then I give them to God. So make a regular practice of that. Um, Praying through, you know, praying through the the, the directory. I, I, we have a mobile directory on our phone. Praying through them individually. So you're preaching for these people. You're praying for these people. You're reaching for these people, and they may be the most ignorant of people, but they need you. They need you, preacher. God has designed Ephesians four eleven to equip the church with you. Don't forget that with you. Okay, preacher, elder, deacon, you are designed to equip the church for the working of the ministry. That's your job. Don't forget that. So shifting gears, avoid battles. Avoid battles. In the first few years, you're going to find multiple problems, multiple issues, multiple hills to die on that, that are going to need your attention. Some practices will need to be changed. Absolutely. Some approaches to ministry and ways of thinking will, will need to be changed. Absolutely. With every need to make an, to make an adjustment, you're going to find opportunities uh, for conflict to erupt. They're just, it's just going to be there. Learning which battles to fight and when to fight and what to say and all that, all that requires wisdom. So as a general principle, try to avoid as many battles as you can. When you're sitting in the men's business meeting, if you don't have an eldership, don't say anything else other than, 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 than matters of worship or matters of preaching or matters of doctrine. Don't involve yourself with carpet color, room temperature, painting the building, you know, getting tires on the bus, that's that's not your work. That's not your work. Just get out of that altogether. So avoid those battles. Learn learn to do that now. Um, but but also don't run from the ones that really do matter. Let me just say that. So avoid them, but don't don't run for the ones that, that matter, okay? Just just stick to the book. You're the man of the book. You're the man of, of, of that sort of thing. Stay there. Stay in your lane. Don't 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 deviate. Don't talk about building additions and all that sort of stuff. That's that's not you. That's that's not for you. Number next, make membership meaningful. If you want to get away from the church of the clowns, you've got to make sure that they are focused on their membership first, not their personal theatrics, not their good-hearted ways that they think that they're going to win souls to Jesus. But they've got to first think about the membership. We got to do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. So the church takes first priority. Okay? Not not the church of the clowns, but the but the church takes first priority. If if these sweet little old sisters know uh, that the church of the clowns is an offshoot of something that they want to bring people into, um, what are they bringing people into? Do they love Jesus? Do, do they love the church? Do they love? Are they are they trying to start something altogether? They got to make membership meaningful. You do and I do. Elder, deacon, preacher, etc. All of us have to do this. One of the most significant goals you should have. <clears throat> from the outset of your ministry, is to make church membership meaningful. This has to be family. Your children have to come in here and have a feeling in their heart that when they come into this building, this is a place of joy and of gladness and of laughter and of celebration. You've got to do that. You've got to involve yourself with the kids. It has to be meaningful for them because you have, if you have children, that all you do is you bring them in here and you, you dress them a certain way and they have to act a certain way and they have to learn a certain thing but there's no emotion involved, listen, they're gone before they're gone. Do you hear me? By the time they're 17, 18 years old, they're gone. When they get driver's license at 16, mamas and daddies are having to fuss with them about coming to church. That's just the reality. Have membership mean something 
to the youngest of age to the oldest of age. What do people need? This, this may be study of psychology and studying of, of what people need. What, what are some physical needs? The church is designed to, to do that, not just the spiritual needs, but the physical needs. You know that. Benevolence is for the church as much as, as, much as it is for the heathen. You gotta, you've got to understand that we've got to be people who are who are making membership meaningful for people. What are the, what are we bringing people into? Maybe we don't know. Maybe maybe we should know. Okay, you've got to help people understand that they count and that they they mean something, and we need them. Okay, um, don't 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 pinpoint certain groups. Don't just go to the old people and consider what the old people want because the old people fund the church. Okay. Uh, don't, don't, don't just think about those folks. Who's the biggest giver? I know that's a temptation to do, but listen, God don't need their money. God does not need their money, period. Okay. God needs faithfulness. He needs good stewardship. And what are we all called to? Paul says to faithful stewardship. What is a stewardship called to accept faithfulness? That's, that's where we are. You got to teach on meaningful membership. You got to, you got to preach from top to bottom. Listen, we got to protect the church. We got to protect the church, and we got to protect it from people that are on the inside. You got to ensure that those who are, who are recommended to the church as prospective new members, or or people who are wanting to consider coming into the church, um, people who want to be baptized, there, there's got to be a process. If you don't have elders, you you got to. This may be you get together a group of people and say, "Hey, we here's some things that we need to worry about. Here's some things we need to ask ourselves. You know, are these people actually Christians? Are they in Jesus? Do they do they love the Lord? Do they have a history of things or?" Those kind of things have to happen. Membership has to be meaningful because if you let anybody in the house who acts any kind of way that they want to act and they're not New Testament Christians and there's no that there there is no filter in some kind of way, then then those who are faithful who do love the church are going to begin to dissipate because you don't care. You don't care enough to say something. You see something but you don't say something. Um, so membership has to mean something. Um, you have a house. You have an apartment, you have a place that you rent, you have a place of residency. And on that place of residency, there is a lock. And there's a lock on that door for a reason. Because what's inside is of, of utmost value. And you're willing to protect everything on the inside with your very life. Okay? Because if it doesn't matter, if, if, if church is for any, anybody who wants to come in and be divisive or unscriptural or any sorts of things that God would not have them to be, I'm not saying visitors aren't welcome. Don't hear me say that. But when it comes to membership... God has set the standard, and God has set the stage. Who is who is to belong in the body of Christ? Those who are, Matthew chapter 5, poor in heart. They're humble people. They recognize that they need Jesus, and they need a Savior, and who are willing to be as they should be. And, and he has a way for people to be removed from his body. Matthew chapter 18, that's, that's very specific. Okay, So you want to protect the membership. You want to love the membership. Be about the membership. I trust you know that. I trust that you, as you've listened to this podcast, you you know my heart. You know where I'm at. Nothing unbiblical. <clears throat> but we have to protect the church that belongs to Jesus. We have to. Membership means something. It means something. Okay? So as a congregation, they're going to come to understand this over time. Lead them to reach out to those, you know, inactive members who are still on the, on the role, the church role, you know, whatever that is, um, in order to encourage them. You know, to return, strengthen the saved, yes, but number two, restore the erring, and then number three, reach the lost in that order. I, I preach that everywhere I go, <clears throat> we have to strengthen the saved, restore the erring, and reach the lost. You're going to find people that have moved away, or they can't be located, or, or you know, they or they may not want to become active in the church. 
don't be surprised if a few of them are deceased. You know, here at the Church of the Clowns where nobody knows what's going on and it's just a madhouse and a circus. Nobody's ever led the church. Nobody knows what's going on. Just don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. But be patient. Don't be surprised, but be patient. Um, we have to lead the church. We have to. If there's no, if there's nobody else, if there's nobody out there, we have to lead the church. So as membership role begins to increase, God will give the increase. If you're if you're scripturally sound, if you're what you need to be, if you're this, if you're what you need to be, an application as well. God will begin to grow. It's His business. He's in the business of, of growing those crops. We're not. He is. We're just seed slingers. That's all we are. But as membership begins to increase, um, you know, when as it begins to increase of, of active membership, you're going to find the church's culture uh, changing in very healthy ways. There's going to be a greater love within the body, a greater desire for God's word, a great willingness to follow the teachings of Scripture. And so last, let me say this, love above all. Paul writes in Colossians 3, verse 14, and above all. All these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So that's a perfect watchword for every preacher, especially from from, from one beginning in, in the local church and in the ministry. Love the people and love the people the Lord has given you to, to, to preach for. And if it's the case that you don't have elders, then it's your job to be a, a pastoral care, if you will. You've got to learn. You've got to shepherd these people. They don't they don't have elders. So you've got to shepherd them. Um You've got to take a sincere interest in their lives. You've got to be there for them. Uh, and you're going to discover that that you've expressed love for them, and um, and it's going to cause them to trust you and to, and to follow your leadership more than anything else that you do. Love them. Love the people. Preaching a church is a very high, high calling. Uh, preaching for the local body. Um, the highest office in the land, you and I well know, is pastor, elder, bishop, overseer presbyter um and um but if you don't have that trying to trying to quote pastor a disorderly needy church can can make that that preaching especially oh especially challenging it'd be like trying to put a saddle on a rattlesnake it's not happening brother (laughs) at least that's how we feel but by God's grace, you embrace the challenge. You put the power of the gospel on display. And through the gospel, the lost will be converted. That includes the lost that are even in that house. They don't even know that they're lost. They don't even know that they're wayward. But be patient with them. Love them. Take care of yourself. Uh, be balanced yourself. You know, do your do your own your own heart work first. Be honest with the church. Um, preach. Pray. Be about these things. Avoid battles and make membership meaningful. Make 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 church a, a meaningful place. And so through through this gospel of Jesus, the loss will be converted. The church is going to be strengthened. And most importantly, God will be glorified. So, dear bewildered young preacher, um, keep the faith. Stay faithful. Endure, endure in sound doctrine. Love the church. Be patient with them. Um, God sees and God knows, and he will reward openly those who do so, um, who love him with a pure heart, and they will be blessed in their deeds.